This meeting is being recorded. Hey guys, my name is Eric Vento. I'm on with Dennis S. I can't pronounce his last name, so I will definitely let him do that for you guys. But um, this purpose of this of this call and this podcast is to discuss mental health and law enforcement. You know, Dennis and I were having a conversation the other day about our own journeys in, in law enforcement, but with mental health specifically and talking about our own individual struggles and what we went through. And, you know, each, each journey is specific and unique to each person. You know, law enforcement is a, is a fickle beast and it impacts us all in different ways. No matter what role you hold, what agency you work at, what location you're in, whether you're in the U.S., whether you're working internationally at some other agency, um, law enforcement is a special community. And the challenges and problems and incidents and issues that we face in law enforcement while trying to do a good job for our respective communities, it impacts us in, in very specific ways. And um, how we choose to address that trauma in our own professional and personal lives is absolutely crucial to who we are after law enforcement as well. You know, um, after we leave, we go to the corporate world or we retire, but we still, we still carry those scars with us, you know, and we still carry those invisible wounds, if you will. And um, some of us do a really good job of dealing with it and some of us don't. And the purpose of this podcast is really just to explore um, Dennis's journey. You know, what has worked for him? What hasn't worked for him? What is What does he still struggle with? You know, and what resources has he used to come to grips with his own internal demons, you know, that he has, that he has walked with and is still walking with to this day. So without further ado, I'm going to pass the floor over to Dennis. Um, Dennis, if you can just introduce yourself and give a brief background about where you are, and then we'll jump into the meat of this. Yeah, sure. Eric, thanks. I, I, I appreciate you uh, getting us together to do this. Um, this is something I've been wanting to do for a long time. So um, I'm Dennis St. Marier. Um, I have been a law enforcement officer for uh, 25 years. I have not only been a police officer, but I've been in every part of the first responder world. Um, I've been a, a medic. I've been a firefighter prior to becoming a police officer. Um, I, I've worked in a couple of different states as a law enforcement officer and um, had a really good career. Um, I'm a senior detective, so I got to do a lot of investigations. I got a lot of got to do a lot of fun stuff. Um, you know, I like to say the job was, was a lot of fun, but there was also some that wasn't fun. And that's, that's the part I really want to talk about. And I think it's the elephant in the, in the room for any first responder, you know, nobody wants to talk about, you know, the, the deep, bad, dark stuff that we hide away. And, you know, we try and be the, the tough, you know, outside, but on the inside, you know, sometimes you hurt. So I wanted to share that. So with, with my journey, it was really unique on how I came about with some trauma. <clears throat> it was, it started out before my police career. So I'm going to talk about that. And then I'm going to say how it went into transitioned into that. So, uh, back in 1995, um, I was a medic with a volunteer ambulance company and I was driving an ambulance and I was transporting a patient to the hospital 
and I was running lights and sirens through an intersection and a car um, failed to stop going through the intersection and hit the ambulance. I was driving at about 70 miles an hour. Um, it, it, it flipped the ambulance over, uh, slid across the intersection, 150 feet, um, had two crew members in the back. It was, it was a, it was a bad situation. I was in my early twenties. I mean, I was young, you know, um, I love doing what I did. And when everything's all said and done, the person that hit the ambulance had died. Um, they had a, a, a medical event that caused them you know, to go unconscious reason why they hit the ambulance. Um, my two crew members were fine. The patient was fine. Um, I like to say I was fine physically, but mentally I was not. So being a young guy, first accident I was ever in, never in any other accident before, um, cracked the chassis, the ambulance. I mean, the impact was hard, hit right behind the driver's side door. Luckily I had my seatbelt on. I made it through. After that, I was fine. I said, you know what? I'm good. No problems. Well, shortly after that, I started experiencing some nightmares and, you know, then lawsuits started coming. I was being sued for millions of dollars, um, had to go to a safety hearing uh, in, in New York State to see if my, my license would be suspended if I was at fault for the accident. Um, so a lot of emotions going on. I got interviewed by homicide detectives, you know, because of the incident. I, all this stuff, it was before my law enforcement career. I didn't know what was going on. So got through all of that, shut down, hit it, took it all and just put it in the back of my head and said, I'm not going to talk about it. Well, that didn't work. So I became miserable. I became, uh, couldn't sleep. I was irritable. I was angry at everything. Um, I was dating my wife at the time. And when I say that's how long ago. So this happened on October 24th of 1995. Um, you know, you always say the days you never forget, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon is when it happened. And a year later from that, I was still having nightmares, crying myself to sleep, not admitting what my problem was. And it came to a head one day, I was with my wife, we were driving down the road and I got mad at some minute little thing. And I punched the windshield of my car and shattered, smashed my windshield. Um, not like me, out of character. Um, my wife basically said, look, this is it. Um, if you don't get help, I'm leaving you. If you care about me, you will get the help and I will support you any way you can. So sure enough, this is a 1995. Keep this in mind. So I said, sure, fine, I'll get help, you know, because I'm the tough guy being, you know, how everybody is in, in the profession. I opened up the phone book, phone book, and found the closest therapist I could find to my house and called them up and went in for a consultation. What are you here for? The usual blah, blah, blah. Now, I don't know. I, my girlfriend told me to come here. Well, it was the best thing I ever did. Um, it, it opened me up to, now this was early on, so this is really early technology. Um, EMDR was very new back then, um, and I went through it. Um, and uh, for anybody that doesn't know what that is, Google it. Um, I won't go into all the details, but it, it has to do with a lot of uh, sound and feeling type sensory stuff that, that kind of goes into your traumatic event. Didn't know at the time, but I was facing PTSD. Didn't know what that was at the time, never heard of it, it was taboo. Um, but that's what I was going through. Um, so I got a lot of support from now my wife, who we've been married for well over 20 years and been together for even longer than that. Um, she was my rock. She was the one that made me do it. So I held on to this little thing after that. It took me about a year to get over the, 
doing going through EMDR took a while and then some more therapy. But one day something clicked in my head and I said, okay, I could face it. I was able to go through that intersection where I had that accident. I was able to deal with the trauma. The, the nightmares weren't as bad. The memories were, I was able to talk about it. I talked about it a lot and it really helped. The talking about it really helped and opened up. So um, fast forward to a little bit later than that. Um, in my career, I, I moved states from New York to North Carolina. Um, became a police officer um, here as well. Um, I was in law enforcement in New York. And um, yes, first year on the job, I was involved in a situation where I almost shot somebody. So that really opened my eyes because I was doing really good with everything and thought I could handle stuff. Um, turned out I didn't have to shoot this individual. It was a 15-year-old kid with a BB gun. Um, it was one of those that real close, um, real, real bad, um, still affected me to this day. I still think about it. I could, I could tell you exactly where I was and what I was doing and all that other stuff. So um, I was okay. I said, um, I, I don't need any help. Um, so shortly after that, my wife gets pregnant um, and we lose a baby to a stillborn. Our baby was stillborn. Year later, she gets pregnant with triplets, some medication helped her get pregnant and the babies were born early and the three little girls died they lived about an hour so now my, my world went crumbling down so now you say okay you know ptsd just could be for first responders now this is my second bout of it um at this point you know i knew i was in crisis um you know it was a bad situation went back to therapy um uh with my wife and it made her stronger and I got through it. And I said, if I can get through this, I can get through anything. So fast forward again through my career. I've had several ups and downs. Um, did really good for a while. And then in 2017, um, I was assigned to a federal task force. And one of the roles I had to do was uh, reopen a homicide investigation. It was really complex. Um, a lot of moving parts to it. And it was the, the only case in my career that I could say, everybody says they have one of those cases. Well, I had one of those cases and it really took a toll on me mentally. Um, I, I got really, really deep into the case. It went on for a long time. Um, I was doing double duty responsibilities, uh, buried myself in work um, and, and really, you know, got into crisis mode again. Um, but I recognized it and I have this little little thing. It's up on right by my desk here and it says um, never give up. And that's the thing I've always held with from 1995 up until now is don't ever give up and don't ever be in that same spot again. I've been in some dark places, but I refuse to allow myself to get to where I was in, in 1996 because it was a year after the 1995 incident. So, um, what I did was I started learning some some techniques that could help me cope with things. You know, I didn't know what like grounding techniques are. And, you know, if anybody doesn't know what a grounding technique is, it's just something to keep you busy and positive. You know, go for a walk, exercise, read a book, that kind of thing. So I started doing stuff like that. Um, and, and it helped really did. So got me through that. Now, let's fast forward even again um, up until, you know, 2020, 2021, 2022, you know, pandemic hit, civil unrest. 
Um, you know, we got to see a share, fair share of that in my agency. Um, you know, the assignment I was at, you know, didn't give me the luxury during the civil unrest to have a day off. So spent 21 days um, without a day off, double shifts, working double duty, um, seeing some bad stuff. Um, and it really, really took a toll on me again. And I think it was the biggest challenge I went through. And this is where I decided that it's time for me to leave law enforcement and start pursuing something in the corporate world. Because through all the traumas I've had, just the ones I've told you is just some of the highlights. There's a lot more. And I, I think anybody that's been through a career of, of being a first responder has, has been through many different traumas, probably hundreds, maybe a thousand. I, I don't know. But, you know, you don't have to you know, God forbid, you don't have to shoot somebody, you don't have to kill somebody to have PTSD. You don't have to, you know, because you're a detective or a patrol officer, it doesn't matter what role you're at. You know, PTSD is is a picture of many different things. It's not just one thing. You know, you used to think, oh, if you're in the military, that's the only people that got it. That's not true. So when I went through everything I went through during the civil unrest, um, it brought me to my breaking point. And it kind of really opened me up to really having to to really do some more self-care. I'm really big into self-care. And I have a, a brother-in-law who recently retired New York City Fire Department. And he was teaching a lot of mental health stuff before he retired with his agency. And he got he turned me on to a lot of different things. And I've never really big into reading self-help books. Now I am. He he gave me my first self-help book and he said, Hey, read this. And it took me a long time to read it. It really did. And once I read it, it was called The Power of Neuroplasticity. Didn't even know what in the world neuroplasticity is. You know, basically all that is, is, you know, you rewire your brain to take negative things and make them into positives. And if you do enough positive, it will change your mind into being positive. So sure enough, this stuff works. Um, it really does. I'm a big advocate of it. I recommend the book to everybody. I've given it to a lot of people. Um, and that was just one of many books that I started reading about self-help. I got into breathing techniques, doing, I call them deep belly breathes, and it, it calms me down in an, an anxious moment. Um, you know, all that stuff combined, meditation, the breathing, you know, writing. You know, I really started writing a lot, like on LinkedIn. You know, I never thought I would. I was scared out of my mind, you know, to open up to people. And it's the greatest thing. It's like it's awesome therapy. Um have a great support system, family, friends. You know, I could talk to my wife, which a lot of guys, you got to get over this. Or, or girls, talk to your spouses. If you're going through something, I know a lot of people that don't. They turn around and say, well, I don't want to burden my spouse with what I'm going through. Well, that'll destroy your relationship. It really will. So I open up to my wife, open up to my close friends. You know, if I'm having a bad day, I let them know. And that really helps. Um, not only that, but therapy. I've been going to therapy for a long time. Um, uh, that's helped tremendously. Medication. I've been on medication for a long time. You know, again, elephants in the room. Don't go to therapy. Don't go to medication. They'll take my gun away from a police officer. You know, none of that happened. That's not true. You know, that that's all stigmas. And we got to get over the stigma of this. And I wish I could reach out to more people and have them understand it. You know, it's tough you know, being in the law enforcement and you don't want to admit you need help because your job is to help people. So guess what? We all need help. We fall down and someone will help you get up. And that's that's the biggest thing I could say. Um, actually, last week I had a dear friend of mine, um, Eric, you know, I, I spoke to you about this. Um, 
my best friend tried to commit suicide, um, put a gun to his head. And um, it was a real eye opener. This type of guy retired from police work several years ago. Happy go lucky guy, you know, went through the stuff like everybody else. PTSD and all that was going to therapy, was doing great medication. Then he stopped everything. And when it stops, you know, he, he hit rock bottom. Um, thank God he, he didn't commit suicide. Um, it's been almost a week now. Um, he's getting back on track. He's got a lot of support. He's back in therapy, back on his medication. He's, he's on the, he's on the right track. Hopefully it'll, it'll keep him to where he needs to be. But I, I understand, you know, when somebody's hurting and they hurt so bad and, you know, I've had the nightmares I've had, you know, um, one of the things I developed when I, years ago and didn't realize it, I had a nervous cough when I would get very anxious and it was really interesting, you know, because it was, I knew it, you know, I, I knew what was that, that I had this nervous cough and it was during like extreme anxiety. And, you know, people need to face if they're going through crisis that they have to one, recognize that they need help. Number two is give a why they need a why in life. They need, need to know why I need to survive, why I need to move forward, why, a lot of times, you know, somebody will say I'm worthless. Nobody will miss me. All that other. Well, that's 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 a bunch of crap because it's not true. You know, once you start realizing the things that make you tick and make you go on and your why, you know, I, I I'll tell you, talking about it, you know, going to therapy is is a huge thing. But you have to open up to it. You have to be 100 percent honest with it. Don't be afraid. Oh, if I say something here, you know, that I'll, I'll be crazy or they won't let me work or they won't let me do none of that. It's all confidential stuff. It has nothing to do with that. I've been going to therapy for a long time. And, you know, the other key to it is and I want to tell people is find the right therapist, because sometimes you go to a therapist and you just don't click. It's like everything else. If you don't click with that person, find another one. You know, um, luckily, my therapist is great. Um, I actually have an appointment um, in two days. Um, go once a month now. Um, and more if I need it. And I don't admit it, and I'm not afraid to say it. I share it with a lot of people. I talk about it. Um, you know, it's hard. I'd like to do it more in my agency. But, you know, I do it behind the scenes because in the front lines, nobody wants to talk about it. It's still that stigma. I'm afraid. What if someone finds out? What if the hallways start talking and find out what's going on and, and all that stuff? So that there's a trust factor, there's a trust issue, and I, I get it, um, you know, but the, the stigma is if you need help, you better get it because, you know, you don't want to be that guy where, you know, you, you get to that point where you want to put a gun to your head. That That is not the place you want to be. And, you know, it's a constant battle. I tell people, you know, when you go through trauma, when you have depression and anxiety and PTSD and all that stuff, because I have it all, um, it's constant. It's 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 like somebody who has an addiction. You can't just say, oh, well, I'll just stop all my stuff and I'll be fine or I, I won't need to do this. It's constant self-care every day. Every day I get up, I exercise every day. It's it's great mentally and physically. You know, I do my breathing techniques every day. Um, meditation. Um, you know, I enjoy my family. I go, even if I have to go for a walk, if I just want to like say, hey, I just got to go clear my head. You know, I, where I live, I live out in the county so I could go for a walk in the woods. I go on back of my property and, and take the trail and walk down to the stream and 
just, you know, being out there is great. You know, find something that you could do, something that'll help you stay busy in the right way. Because a lot of people think, oh, I'll just go to work and I'll bury myself in work. Well, I did that. That failed. Um, you know, or I'll handle on my own. Well, I did that. It failed. You know, or I don't need medication. Well, I tried that. That didn't work for me. You know, or I don't need therapy. I'll get over it myself. Well, that didn't work for me either. So it's constant stuff that you need to do and you need people to support you. But in order for them to support you, you have to tell them what's going on. You know, just like anything else, you confide in people you trust. You know, you have a trusted relative, friend, spouse, whoever it is, confide in them. Say, look, I'm having a bad day. I can't get over this. You know, um, you know, I'm I'm proud that I could talk about this stuff now, but it still hurts. Doesn't go away. And that was my decision of why I said it's time for me to leave law enforcement. You know, I love my job. I tell people I'm leaving on good terms. I'm not not leaving, you know, for for anything other than me. And I know that if I want to continue to have a healthy mental health um, environment, I need to leave. You know, I know what the triggers are when I have something that I know is going to bother me, but you can't avoid it because it involves work. You know, I, I get that. And sometimes you have to work through that. And that's where, you know, I've done it. Um, even to this day, you know, I, I have, I'm a detective. So, I, you know, people may say, well, you know, you're not on the streets as much anymore. So what do you got to worry about? Well, sometimes there's more stress on the inside than there is on the outside. You know, there's a lot of, you know, things that that, you know, are stressful. And there are a lot of things you still have to do <laughs> that you may not want to do, you know, in your profession. Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, it, it's 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 a tough one because I've seen, you know, people that I was close to, you know, I had a friend a couple of years ago that I worked with and, you know, he 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 didn't want to talk to anybody and he was in crisis and he, you know, ended up, you know, turned to alcohol and, you know, he ended up getting help. Um, he went to some long term um, treatment facility um, in in Texas, and it actually helped him. And he went, you know, it was, it was in in care stuff for like six months. And his wife stayed with him and supported him. And and it, it was it was a great thing to see that he went through it. But it was it was sad to see that he got to that point. He didn't put himself up to anybody. He didn't let anybody in to help him. And I get it. It's tough. I struggle with it. You know, you know, just like any any cop. You know, you don't you you don't want someone to help you. You're supposed to help them. You know, like I said, and I, I just wish I could reach more people to say it's o it's okay to not be okay, but don't stay there. You know, let someone in so they can help you. If you fall, they could help you get up. And and that's that's the biggest thing. You know, with all the things I've been through, you know, sometimes I look and say, ah, you know what. Maybe there's people that had went through worse. Maybe there has, but this is the stuff I have to deal with, you know, and this is just a tip of the iceberg. You know, we could, we could spend days going through it. You know, um, we, we all have those stories. We all have that could have happened. It was, you know, that could have happened. I could have got really hurt. I could have got killed, but I didn't. And you can't linger on the what ifs and the what ifs is what's going to keep you, you know, really, really tough in here. And, you know, like I said, that neuroplasticity that, you know, really, I didn't know what it was until I started getting into it. 
it, it, it really was a game changer because I found the good in life. You know, I, I talked to some people, especially been on the job a long time. And they said, I can't find the good in life. You know, I deal with bad all day. It's always the bad. It's always the bad. I can't, I can't get through it. And you say, well, you got to find the good, you know? Um, I think, you know, uh, I'm very involved um, in my church. So faith, faith-based stuff is very important for me. Uh, I volunteer, you know, I'm very active with my kids and my wife and, and I love being in the outdoors and, and that is my relief. You know, if, if it's hunting, if it's fishing, um, just going for a walk, going for a hike, things like that can really change, you know, your mood. And you have to recognize if, if you're, you're having something that's going on that try and, you know, try and work through it, but don't be by yourself, you know, and I, I just wish more people would get help. And yeah. I think it's more prevalent in law enforcement than, you know, anybody ever realizes. I mean, you and I know it, and I think anyone in law enforcement knows it, but it's the elephant in the room. Nobody's going to talk about it. You know, everything is, is, is hidden because of fear, because of, you know, I'm not good enough, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I think, you know, when I really got involved with LinkedIn, you know, when I first talked to you about, you know, when you redid my resume and my LinkedIn and all that, I was that cop. I didn't want to put myself out there. You know, you got to put your picture out there, you put your name out there, you got to do all this stuff. And, you know, it was just a career of, you know, you're a cop, got to protect everything. Yeah, you got to be careful with stuff, but if it's controlled, it's fine. So I went ahead and, you know, did everything like you, you, you know, you told me what to do. And, you know, I started, you know, I started, like I said, writing. My therapist said, hey, you should keep a journal. LinkedIn's like my journal. You know, I, I'll, I'll talk about what's true to me and what's what's really, you know, mental health is a big one. So I, I do talk about that a lot on LinkedIn. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, you know, a, a corporate job. So I talk a lot about job stuff. And it's it's a great release. And I've met a lot of good people. I mean, I went from, you know, knowing very few people to, you know, I, I'm like almost at like 1500 connections and they're all good connections. It's not like I'm just not going on there just picking people. <laughs> and it, It's great. And, and it's awesome when I'll write about something with mental health and other people send a private message to me, you know, another cop that says, hey, man, thank you. I appreciate, you know, I needed that. And I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> you know, I didn't think that, you know, I, I was I was doing it to help people, but you never realize that they're going to reach out to you, you know, because, Absolutely. you know, you're not going to do it. But I've had quite a few people reach out to me and um, really, really said it was an inspiration to hear some of those stories and they're not alone what they're going through. And it, it was it was great. It was great to hear. Um, you know, as, as we approach the, the end of our time, you know, I just wanted to say like, you know, thanks for sharing. Thanks for being transparent, you know, yeah. um, for so long, the stigma of mental health was seen as a weakness, you know, it yes. was seen as a negative. It was seen as, Hey, you know, if you admit that you have this, there's something wrong with you. And just like you alluded to in your, in your memories, you know, it was used to take people's guns away, take their badge away. You know, yep. because they were vulnerable enough to say, hey, I have an issue that I can't solve on my own. Yeah. You know, and that's the one thing I wanted to like really address with you in, in our in our final few minutes is, you know, with the stigma that in, that is surrounding mental health and, and talking about our issues and our, our hidden or invisible trauma, if you will. 
How has your struggles with mental health made you a better husband, made you a better leader, made you a better individual? What, how has it enhanced your character or how you think about the world and how you interact with people? Let's turn this around and instead of making it a stigma, let's talk about how it really enables us to live with a more empathetic mindset toward mm -hmm. others and, and, and the struggles that we all have. So yeah, how, how has that really impacted you for the better? Yeah. So, you know, I'm glad you brought up the empathetic part of it because that's a huge part, you know, and early on in my career, I never realized it. But after, you know, I started going through this, you know, being empathetic to people, understanding what they're going through, live, you know, live through their eyes for a little bit and see what they're going through and understand it, you know, and, and that's huge in listening to people, you know, you have to listen. And, you know, early on, you don't, you don't want to do that. But as I went on in my career, I realized listening to people, what are they really saying? You know, not just what do you want to hear them saying? What are they really saying and how can you get to them? And, and that was huge. That was one of the hugest things, you know, it, not only in my professional life, but in my personal life. So with my family, with my wife, you know, I understood how to open up and how to communicate, how to be a really good, effective communicator. You know, not just, you know, how was your day? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, what does that show? Nothing. You know, did you have a good day or a bad day? You know, so I do this with my kids every day. You know, a lot of times I, I get up early to go to work. I get up 5 a.m. And, you know, I have some crazy kids and they, they want to get up with me most days at 5 a.m., which they don't have to get up that early to go to school. But they'll get up with me and we'll always have a conversation, you know, hey, you know, how'd, how'd your night go? Did you sleep okay? What are you going to do today? You know, how's your day going to go? And then when they come home from school, how was your day? Not just, you know, a lot of times you see people, hey, man, how you doing? No, this is really how are you doing? How was your day? Tell me about it, you know. And my, my youngest daughter today, you know, she, she didn't have a good day at school. She got into a little argument with, with one of the other students. And, you know, we talked about it and we worked it out. And she went from, you know, sobbing uncontrollably when I picked her up from school to at the end, you know, I was empathetic. And I said, I'm going to listen. I'm going to see what's going on. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's, it's, it's just, a, you know, a little, you know, issue that she's had with someone else. But to her, it's a major problem right now. So once I identified that. We worked on it. I tell my kids, I, they use my same coping skills, have them do breathing techniques. I do all that with them, you know, and it's great and it helps them. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, she's doing her homework and she's smiling and, you know, she's in a different place. And it's just because she's able to work through it, you know, and I think with anybody, whether it's professional or personal, being able to work through your situation, tell somebody, you know, if, if they're doing a good job, good job. If they're not, Give them constructive criticism, but not in a bad way. You know, I mean, communicate. You know, a lot of times you could solve most of the problems with good communication. And and I think, you know, it's taught me a lot with that because it taught me how to open up myself and how I can be vulnerable. And no one likes to be vulnerable, especially cops. So I've learned how to be vulnerable. I did it on LinkedIn. I mean, it, it, the last post I did, I, I told my wife, I said, I'm terrified about this. And it's silly because... All, all it was was just kind of saying, this is what I've done. This is how I've accomplished it. It's just a, it's, it's, it's a business type thing, but I did it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm proud of, you know, of where, where I'm getting to. 
and it's a work in progress, you know, and just to do this, just do this right now, talking to you is a huge thing for me. Um, Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's no strings. No strings at all. And and, and I love it. Um, And I hope that, you know, someone could listen to what I've gone through and say, look, I'm not alone. You know, you know, I hate to say this term, but misery likes friends. You know, you don't want to use it in a bad thing. We say, hey, look, that guy went through, you know, something like me and he got through it. Maybe I can get through it. You know, he went to counseling. Maybe I could try it, you know, and he's still working. So he didn't, you know, what, what, anything that would click with somebody, you know, would, I would hope that it would resonate with them and, and bring them to a good place. Cause you know, I, I always say, um, there's, you know, there's a term I, I sent my buddy who, who tried to hurt himself last week. And uh, it's a YouTube thing with Jocko. It's, it's about good, the word good. And, you know, if if you're going through something and it's bad, well, good. Well, it's good because good will come out of it at some point. It may not be good now, but it will be good. And I think if you could say good, you'll be okay. And it's just something that stuck with me. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of really big on, you know, another thing that I forgot to bring up is music. Music is a great release for me. When I leave work, I put it on the car. When I'm at my desk, I'll put it on. Um, when I get in the shower, I play music. You know, I mean, it, it's a positive, everybody. And it's just positive music, though. But what I stress is positive music. Don't listen to stuff that's going to get you down. You know, um, listen to stuff that that's that, you know, give you a little motivation. You know, I, I try and do like a, a daily motivation of, of positive, you know, every day and just look at it. And whatever it is, just let me start my day off positive, you know, and then end it positive. So, yeah, I really appreciate that. You know, I, I tell people a lot and I've done a lot of these podcasts over the years where I've specifically called out, you know, mental health and it's on the impact on my life, but also the good that has come out of it as well. And, you know, it's always easier to see the good after the fact, you know, than when you're going through it. And that's true for a lot of situations in our life, you know, but what I tell people is, you know, your story is unique but the trauma that you're experiencing is not, you know, um, you know, one of the excuses that I hear a lot is, well, you know, that's different from my story or, you know, mm. that, yep. that that's not the same. And I agree. I mean, everyone's story is, is unique and relevant and directly, you know, unique to them, but the scars and, and the struggles that we have, the anxiety, the depression, the PTSD, as you referenced, you know, the, the issues that we have, um, whether they're medical, whether they're psychological, whether they're physical in nature, you know, they all impact us in different ways, you know, and recognizing that, hey, this isn't going away. And what I'm doing to deal with it, if any, isn't helping, you know, um, you know, I talked a lot about it over the years that I had, you know, physical issues that came out of my own anxiety, I had sleep apnea. I had, you know, gallstones that caused significant issues with chronic pain for a number of years. And, you know, you also mentioned triggers, you know, like we all know what our triggers are, you know, it, you know, I can't, I can't watch cop shows anymore. You know, I just, (laughs) I start getting anxious. I start, you know, having sweats. I start, you know, reliving some of the, the memories that I had and, 
you know, now that we've moved back to Houston, there are certain parts of the city I can't go to, you know, just because I automatically am just a wash in memories that I would rather not relive, you know, yep. same with people that you interact with. You know, there are certain members of my former law enforcement family that I just can't be around, you know, and um, I tell people like, you know, moving on in a healthy way requires you to comprehensively evaluate all of your triggers and everything that impacts your life and, and really ask yourself, can I do I can I can I change this, you know, and what do I need to to, to change it, you know, and it's, it's really a, it's a, it's a whole life assessment, you know, because our mental health impacts every single aspect of what we do day in and day out. It impacts our relationships, our professional attitude in the workplace, you know, um, how we are with our family and our friends, you know, and, you know, the support system that you alluded to well, as well is so important. You know, one of the things that I've deeply, deeply appreciated about LinkedIn over the past 10 or so years that I've been really, really intentional about it is the, the community that we have here. You know, probably 95% of the people that I talk to on a regular basis, I've never met in person, you know, and, but we have shared experiences. We have relationships that we've built through intentional and authentic community. And, you know, a lot of those individuals share similar experiences. And so I know that if it came down to it, I could reach out to them. We could have a conversation much like we're having now. And, you know, I would have someone that understands where I'm coming from and understands, you know, that what I'm experiencing isn't a negative, but that it's a part of being human, you know, and it's a part of recognizing that we can only experience growth when we're actually vulnerable you know, not only with ourselves, but vulnerable with others, Absolutely. you know? So, you know, Absolutely. I really appreciate, you know, you, your vulnerability and your, your transparency. It's not easy to talk about. Um, it's not easy to, you know, quote unquote, expose yourself to right. other people's opinions or other people's thoughts. Um, and, you know, it's not easy to even, you know, ponder the fact that potential employers may see this and say, well, I don't want that guy in my workplace. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's full of holes, you know, yeah. in reality, you're exactly the type of guy that I want in my workplace. I want someone who right. is empathetic. I want someone who, you know, builds relationships and can understand that it's okay to not be okay. You know, we're all and perfect human beings, whether you're faith-based or not, whether you believe in a God or not, and understanding that and having that mentality will enable us not only to be better husbands and fathers and leaders, but also just better people to interact with our fellow man, you know? So in closing, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to leave us with? Well, you, you know, and I, I hit on so many topics and so many things, but, you know, the, the biggest thing is, and, and I'm going to stress this again, is people need to find the good in the world, especially in the career of law enforcement, is there's so much bad that you see, you have to find the good. You have to force yourself. Some of the things I get the most satisfaction out of 
are things that I volunteer for because it's all good stuff. I volunteer um, at my church with a youth ministry and seeing the kids, you know, doing what kids do in, in a positive environment is huge. And it has such an impact on my mental health. I, I can't even tell you. It, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you can't put a price tag on it. You have to find that good, but you also need to come to terms with yourself and say, I want the help and I'm going to get the help and I'm not going to fail at it. I'm going to work at it. You work at it just like if you're trying to get a job or you go to the gym and you want to lose weight or you think you want to go on a diet, you have to work at it. Mental health, you have to work 10 times harder than all of that. But if you want to do it, you'll do it. And you have to have the mindset and it starts up here and you really, really need to do it with a positive mind. And just be empathetic to people. Listen to them. Yeah, we all have different stories, kind of like what you said. But in our heads, the same thing is going on. Um, we're, we're facing the same things. It's just different images we have. But be empathetic to that person who's having a tough time and, and help them up and, and listen to them and, and see what kind of resources you can give him or her. It's, it's huge. And, and I think it, it'll pay off in the long run. And, and that it goes even in the corporate world. You know, when I, I transition to that, I mean, you know, PTSD hides in all different kinds of places. It doesn't hide just in military and, and first responders. You know, there's plenty of other people out there that go through things, even if it's not PTSD, it's anxiety, it's depression, whatever it may be, you know, a dependency thing, you know, you, you, you got to be open to that stuff and you, and you have to deal with that. Absolutely. So that's most I could say about it. And, you know, it sounds easier than it, than, you know, than it is, but it's, it, it, to me, that's the secret sauce that, that worked for me. All this stuff had worked for me and I sustained it for a long time. You know, I could say, oh, you did something for here or there. You know, it takes a couple of weeks, takes three weeks to, to get something into habit. And it takes a year to really run with, you know, all, all that. So I've been doing this stuff for years and it's really worked, you know, and I keep building on it. I, I always tell myself I reevaluate and I add stuff to my toolbox. Just like as a first responder, you have things to keep you safe and investigative stuff. Well, mental health is the same type of principle is that you have a toolbox. Keep adding stuff to it. You know, don't just keep doing one thing and think it's going to be okay, or just keep adding stuff, change it up, you know, listen to people, read books, podcasts, all that stuff. Listen to what other people are doing and try it. If it works great, if not, then just that's okay. Try something else. Absolutely. So, I wish we didn't have this conversation in a way to where, you know, this wasn't, you know, uh, a big problem in law enforcement, but it is. It's it's probably, you know, I, I, I posted something on LinkedIn and it's a true statement. There, there are more law enforcement officers that die by their own hands than gunfire. There's more police officers that commit suicide every year than get killed in, in line of duty with gunfire. That is something that's gotta change. And, and I think awareness is a big part of it. Um, looking out for each other. We have to look out for each other. And that goes for family members, Coworkers, friends, whoever, we just we just have to do a better job of of recognizing you know when someone's in crisis and and getting them help is the key. Absolutely, yeah. The the trauma affects us all, no matter what our profession, but it especially affects us, those who are in law enforcement, the ones who are former law enforcement. Um, <clears throat> 
particularly affects our profession for sure, based upon what we see and what we are exposed to on a daily basis. So absolutely, you know, Dennis, really, really want to appreciate you for, again, your vulnerability and your, your transparency. Thank you just for sharing your heart with us. And, you know, I can tell you that it's helped at least one person already. And that's, that's myself, you know, because the more that I talk about this, um, the more it helps my own mental health. You know, so I have no doubt that it'll help many more people than than just me. But thank you. And we'll chat You're soon, welcome. brother. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care. Okay. You too. Bye. Bye.